Hello and welcome to The Middle Ground, a podcast all about Baker Prairie. I am Kate Shively, your host, and I am very excited to introduce this episode of The Middle Ground. So this week, I am only going to play the interview I recorded with a very special guest. I led into this topic a little bit last week at the start of the episode with Miss Stewart talking about being a community and being a community of diverse thoughts, opinions, beliefs, everything. You know, every community is made up of people who are different, and that's a really good thing. It can also be a really challenging thing. So along that same theme, I thought I would bring in a special guest to talk about the beautiful, crazy, challenging, wonderful thing that is parenting. This special guest is someone I have had conversations with often around differences of opinion from the time that I could talk. So without giving any more away or leading in any more, I will go ahead and play our pre-recorded interview. It maybe goes a little bit deeper and is a little more open than other interviews I've had so far, and it will be pretty obvious why that is <laughs> once it gets going. So I hope you enjoy, and here we go. Welcome to our guest. Today we have the Director of Academic Services all the way from Trebekah Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee. So thank you so much for being here. And before I have you introduce yourself, you know, this is a little bit different than my typical interview. So, so far all of the guests have been employees at Baker Prairie and familiar names. So this is not the case here. So, excuse my calendar alert. Um, I am going to let you introduce yourself for our listeners before I explain why you're here. So tell us who you are and... Well, hello everybody. I will start by saying I am the very proud parent of the Baker Prairie Middle School School Counselor. <laughs> My name is Mark Bowles and um, yeah, as, as uh, Katie said, I am here in Nashville, Tennessee, currently in higher education, um, but uh, I am... My, my background has always been in, in teaching and education. Started out as a middle school teacher uh, and was also a middle school administrator for, for many years uh, and then enjoyed central office administration as well before finding my way uh, to a doctorate and to a higher education where I am now and uh, really enjoying it. I, I have loved having a career where I've been able to experience a span of uh, education all the way from pre K all the way to adult education and, and currently working with college students. Yes, you have a super rich history. When we think about this being a podcast about middle school, like you obviously have a background in education, a history with this age group. On top of the fact that one of your credentials is that you are a dad of three adult children, which is going to play into this podcast. So we're excited to have you today. Well, I am thrilled. Uh, to be here. Thank you. You know, and explain a little bit why we're doing this interview. In a nutshell, we're talking about the experience of raising kids. And so, you know, that's a that's a pretty big topic. That's a really personal topic. And so I thought, what better person to have on than the person who raised me? And also, you know, three kids. And then you add in, like you said before, you've worked in middle school. You've worked in all the age ranges, both in an academic setting and as a youth group leader at a point, too. And so you've really experienced all of the aspects of, of middle school as well as being my dad so I can ask you these kinds of questions and not have to worry so much about it. So 
<laughs> you can correct me if I say anything that's not true. Yeah, this is a live fact-checking, actually, is what this is. Um, so, so, yeah, we're talking about the experience of raising kids, and one of the big things being middle school, we see that that's really when students are forming their moral compass on their own. So before then, it's all about parent example, parent guidance, all of those things. And then we see in middle school, kids start leaning towards their peers and they really form their their moral center here. And so part of the topic today is about parenting and you won't always get to make decisions for your kids, right? And they will grow up and they will form their own opinions and ideas and thoughts. And so kind of talking around like, what are those things that you really want to instill in your kids? So as they become an independent young adult and then adult that you you feel confident about who they are out in the world. So that's kind of the gist of, of why we're talking about this today and what we're talking about. So to start just from the basics too for you, how would you describe how you parent? So just maybe a general overview of, of your parenting style. You bet. I'll back up just a second if, if you'll let me because you were talking about middle school and all that background. And um, I, I, I believe that, I know it's true about me, but I believe it's true about, I think, middle in general, that that one way or another, whether they're conscious of it or not, we are really drawn to this particular age. There is something about stepping into the lives that are going through the things that you just described, uh, and and watching them process it, and providing support, and and just just being a a part of that uh, process that is really something special. Uh, just very different than the elementary experience, very different than the high school experience to get those kids in transition. And, I, and having said that, I, I, I actually think that that, in, to some degree, describes a bit about about how I approached parenting. I preface this by saying I realize, in retrospect, that that there were, there was an awful lot about parenting that I was not intentional about and it worries me that as we talk today it's going to sound like i had these things planned out and that i kind of knew what i was doing and i think like every parent who might be listening to this absolutely just felt uh, in hindsight see that a lot of it was just being kind of making it up as we go and and trying to figure out you know the best way to do things a little bit on the fly but i can say you're asking me about my my parenting scale uh, for anybody that knows much about Enneagrams you can appreciate that I'm a nine and so as a peacemaker but also very very interested in what people around me are experiencing and that certainly spilled over into how I raise kids and how I interacted as a father I really did very imperfectly love walking through life with my children and whenever possible I think I kind of did so kind of behind and, and kind of supporting and and enjoying watching you and and Zach and Anna experience things and create and and grow up it was just delightful I just set boundaries as firmly as I could and, and Karen and I I think did a really good job of, of working on that together but then past that as much as possible give as much space for uh, you all to exercise some decision making appropriately as you as you grew up and grow into some independence. I think every parent will appreciate and understand completely what you mean by saying like some things are luck and and figuring it out as you go. <laughs> so I'm glad you talked about that too. I mean, I think that's pretty accurate to what I remember. 
Respect was really important. Trust was important. And we had that trust until we lost it. And so I do remember having freedom to make choices and feeling that trust that you had in me and kind of feeling grown up about that as long as we didn't cross any boundaries or break any rules that we weren't supposed to. So I would say I agree with what you said there. And it really is a scary, scary part, two sides of the coin. One, one side of the coin is really scary, but the other part is really enriching. The scary thing is to know that as you're doing that, kids are going to make mistakes and you really do want to prevent that. You want to protect them from physical and emotional harm, just protect them from the consequences of doing uh, something that if they'd asked you first, you could have told them, you know, you, you could have helped them avoid that. But the flip side of that is it's also just very enriching because being very imperfect, I didn't do it always, but those times where I, I remember that I was able to bite my tongue and let you all venture out and and make a choice and, and succeed. It, it just was wonderful to, to reflect that, that that was something you were accomplishing that I certainly had a part of, but it was really about you and about you exploring and achieving and, and becoming always a more, more independent or mature people. I think I have some a couple of distinct memories that come to mind of times where that also meant that when we messed up, we could go to you, you know, for some of those bigger ones that we needed to be able to tell an adult like, hey, we messed up here. <laughs> Things have gone wrong. We probably shouldn't handle this on our own because of that. And, I, and again, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it, it kind of allowed that space to, to screw up and then go back and talk about it, which I think is also really important and probably scarier for you as the parent. Like, what is that thing going to be that they come to me with? I really wanted that. I, I really wanted you all to see me as uh, someone who would accept what you thought and so that if you had something that you needed to talk about that you felt comfortable, that you felt safe. And some of my best memories and my worst memories uh, are, are about that. The times where I know that I dropped that ball and didn't, you know, I had an opportunity to, to be accepting and be open and ask questions and listen more than I talked. And those are things that I, I, I know I wish I could go back and, and redo some of them. But that is, I, know, I, think, I think every parent's goal is to be someone that their kids can come to and approach. And that's such a difficult balance because I also have my own set of values and wanted to raise you all with those wanted you to see the importance of them and it's, it's difficult for a parent when, when one feels a child testing the values that you hold so sacred uh, and then you have to turn around and try to try to be open and try to listen and try to be accepting and have that internal battle of you know, wanting to let a child be independent but at the same time having a certain set of values that you really want to instill that is that is the, the heartbreak of the joy and the heartbreak of parenting yeah, it's a really fine line to walk. I do remember you being, you were really open and also, I think, more of the disciplinarian um, between our two parents. But I think that combination and how things played out also led to some funnier conversations as adults when we would share with you those things that we maybe didn't, like, didn't reach the level of need to tell a parent, but um, were some boundary testing things. We've had some good laughs, I think, at holidays when we gather to talk about those, those fun stories. Um, Lots of good laughs. Yes. You're, I think some of those you're glad we saved until we were older. Um, <laughs> That's, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you've kind of mentioned this already. So 
part of that balance is having those values as a parent that you do want to teach your children. And so for you, what were some of those values and those really important qualities that you wanted to hand down to us? You mentioned some earlier. Probably the gold standard is trust. I really wanted to be somebody you all could trust. I wanted you all to grow up into people that told the truth, that followed through on what you said you would do so that other people would trust you. It seems kind of like it could be a trite answer, but but just teaching you all what it means to love, to to love your neighbor. We spent a lot of time in church. We, had, you know, you were in Sunday school. We were going to church, and and there's good and bad about that. And and the older I've gotten, the more I've appreciated that and, and looked at that much more realistically. But uh, those, so many of those values are so important. Loving one's neighbor and, and being honest and kind, those are all things that were very important to both your mother and me. I think that's, and that's evident to me too as I reflect back on childhood and, and even who I am. I think all of those things were really clear to us too. When you, you mentioned Zach and Anna earlier, so yes, I have those two siblings um, and I'm a middle child, which to any other middle children out there will really immediately understand what that means. <laughs> but between the three of us, you have very different children you know we've all we've all turned out a little different you know beyond the living in different states different interests all that stuff we have these unique qualities and things that we care about in ways that we think so not in all of those things match yours either and so how do you deal with those differences with your kids and that and that is amazing to me that you all are so different that your mother and I are the same and that each of you each of you found just such different paths into things that you're doing and, and even things that you believe to be important. I don't know. I I mentioned being a nine Enneagram earlier, uh, which that's the kind of person that really values uh, people for who they are and, and what they are. So that is one of my happy feelings about being a parent is that each of you uh, did get to grow up so differently, have such different interests, uh, did many things mediocrely, did some things poorly. Uh, one thing I, I feel good about in, in parenting was being able to recognize the things that each of you valued and enjoyed doing and any way that I could encourage those things. You reading books, you were involved in athletics, really enjoyed the friendships that you had. I was so big in, in athletics. That was a huge part of my uh, identity in high school. And you had a lot of that, Anna, very much so, but through dance, etc. Fathers and sons, you know, have, have that relationship. And as athletic as he was, didn't follow into team sports and those kinds of things. And it's a, it's a memory I cherish that all three of you is, is, is not trying to impose my expectations, and, and your mom didn't either, uh, what, except for a few things like piano and, <laughs> and some things like that, that. For better or worse, yeah. Like any other parent, we were going to make you do. Uh, but for the most part, the things that really mattered, knowing who you were and, and that you liked certain things and then just enjoying finding a way to participate in those with you, that is something that I always look back on with joy. Well, I think we've had a conversation recently, too, that I'm going to pull from where we, I do not remember what we were talking about, but we have our, our weekly phone calls where we get to chat since we clearly don't live anywhere near each other, <laughs> talking about kind of the realization that the culture that your kids and 
younger generations walk out into every day is different than the culture that you grew up in and the culture that you are used to. And I guess I wonder too a little bit how that plays into, you know, how you engage with us and, and deal with those differences. And particularly because that's the same for each generation as it, as we go, like every generation to follow has a different culture that they are growing up in and walking out into the world into. So can you talk a little bit about that? As you say that, there's several things that come to my mind and I bet you I could start talking and lose my way and <laughs> have to bring me back to what you just asked for real. Uh, but one thing is the, I think every generation acknowledges that raising the next generation raising children is going to be more difficult and more dangerous and i know there's one thing that we dealt with i mean i i grew up and i'm not going to say every day i took off on my bike at you know right after breakfast and came home at dark but there were days that i did and we went bike downtown up to angel college over to a friend's house didn't have cell phones so there was that freedom and a lot of growth and independence came from that. And if I skip your generation and come to the generation of your all's children, I just don't know how parents can create those opportunities like that. I mean, you, you can't, I wouldn't. There are scary, much scarier things happening. So I mean, that's, that's an interesting dilemma, an interesting change. And, and parenting styles have to change to accommodate that. So I don't know, to some extent, Things that my generation did to parents uh, are not even possible, uh, or or, have, or look a lot different to the next to the next generation. So, anyway, that's that's one thing uh, I thought about as you were talking. As you're talking, I mean, this is how conversations go, right? You say something and it inspires something in the person listening. But that also, so that that sense of safety and danger and the circumstances that also changes probably how you view the world, right? And how you. So how you're going to view the world based on how, like, your childhood will be very different about than how I view the world based on my childhood of, um, of you know, curfews and, and just all those other things that change as time passes and things, like you said, safety change. And social, political views and values. I have the luxury of having certain social and political views that in some ways now at 60 years old can be... Uh, a little bit out of touch, and, and they don't fit societal landscape. Uh, I'm well aware of that. I think I, don't know, I think that's why one of the reasons why I enjoy one glaring uh, exception. I <laughs> I really enjoy conversations that that we all have. It's enlightening to me. And maybe maybe that's just a healthy circumspection of my own feelings. Also, just a respect. I, I, I appreciate uh, your all's thoughtfulness. You you all grew up into very thoughtful, very compassionate, but very very insightful uh, people. And so, as I realize that we think about things so differently, it's fun to experience within the family what the opposite of what seems to be happening in society. You know, it's, uh, I can hear your views and actually cause them to, to question my own because I, because I value what you all are thinking and and who you are and how carefully you thought things out, as opposed to just disagreeing and, and finding reasons to hate and, and to divide. So anyway, yeah, I think that's an interesting aspect of parenthood and, and kind of the changing of the guard and our continued relationship. We're talking about relationships and parenting and, and middle school, but I'm still your father, and it is, it is so rewarding to me now to uh, for that to all be couched in absolutely in a friendship as opposed to a, a hierarchical kind of relationship. 
Yeah, and you don't set my curfew, and you can't ground me anymore, and so I don't have to say this to you to get out of anything, but I do know that I can say, too, during some of those conversations where we talk about things where we don't maybe agree or, or we see it differently, I do always feel respected. I still always, I walk away feeling loved, and I know that you do take me seriously, and you're listening to me, and I hope that's something I also convey to you, because there is that, there's that balance, right, that that classic thing where an older generation can be kind of out of touch. Younger generation thinks they know everything and, and lacks some of that experience to maybe round off some of those sharp edges. And so we bring that in. I think every generation has that same kind of back and forth pattern. And so we bring those things in. But I've never walked away from a conversation where I didn't know that you as my dad loved me. We were still family and I was still glad of that. That was really well said, needing each other. We need opposing views. And I like that. I, I value that we have them. I, I take it as a sign of success of raising independent children. <laughs> My children, all three of them, think very differently than I do. <laughs> so <laughs> they obviously never felt bullied like they had to fit a certain, had conformed to a certain set of uh, beliefs and values. <laughs> yeah, well, I and I do think too. It's funny, you know. You said opposing beliefs, and it instantly did struck. Like it struck me though that they're only opposing in how they are put out into the world, I think, that our basis, because you decided that respect and truth and love and kindness were those building blocks, that those things aren't different. And so we can have those conversations and we can see things differently, but we can always come back to that root and know that, like, we have the same roots, and that's really important. Um, Again, and that was perfectly said, <laughs> and I appreciate that. And, and to hear you say that is very affirming to me as a parent. Well, and... We said this before, your your kids are all adults now, but you so you kind of know how we've turned out. I think for the most part, you can see how we're going to be as adults and who we are. And so when you look back on that whole experience, is there anything that you would do differently as a parent? I think in the, in the broad strokes, not really. You know, you, if one was to go back, you, you think about going back and changing this or changing that. You have to realize that in changing one thing, then you change something else, or you run the risk of, of something that you got right the first time around going wrong, you know, you're, you're messing that up, something that turned out okay. So broadly, not a chance. Um, but like I say, I, I, I can think of any number of specific cases where uh, to hear you say now about, about, feeling, about feeling love and respect and, and valued, um, you, you've obviously either blocked those things out or have overcome them and forgiven. And either way, it's, it's a good thing. I guess like any parents, I can look back and now see that there were opportunities I had to spend more time with, as we were talking about earlier, investing in the things that you all were interested in. Obviously could have prioritized that some uh, more. But like I say, I... The outcome has been wonderful, and so at the risk of going back and messing something up, I, I think I'm just going to leave it, <laughs> not change anything. Well, I do think, too, the mess-ups and those moments that you look back on one by one that you think, well, that maybe could have gone better, I could have done that differently. Resilience is so important, and so I think I can remember all of those things, right? But when I think about the general childhood I had, 
I view it positively and, and can laugh about those. But I do think that plays into the resilience I have today because no parent's going to be perfect. And I think that that's maybe even by design because otherwise, how do we learn to love imperfections in other people if, if our parents don't show us that? So I think that's a part of parenthood and that we need that piece. Absolutely. So That's a comforting thought. Will Rogers, I think there's a, one of my favorite real Will Rogers sayings is good judgment comes from experience. And a lot of that comes from bad judgment. <laughs> So I think there's a parenting counterpart to that. I, I can sound like the best parent in the world right now, but that's uh, all based on looking back, either forgetting all the wrong things I did or just realizing the mistakes I made that now I'm saying I, that they should have been done differently. So. Yeah. Well, I think maybe that'll be my next podcast series. We'll be just exploring <laughs> the ways that childhood can go wrong. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much. I know I said this at the beginning, but talking about your parenting it's a very personal experience it can be traumatizing to revisit some of it I think at times so I do appreciate you first of all being willing to come on here and talk with me about this but then just your openness in in your conversation so thank you if I could just a word of encouragement from the educator the middle school educator in me to parents that are listening because we walk through things that your kids are experiencing with you, you're you're obviously the most important impact on these kids' lives. But we also we get a chance to see it, and I have seen those kids move on to high school, and I run into them amazingly, unbelievably run into kids uh, in strange, <laughs> unexpected places who just are are doing wonderfully, have resolved issues, and have found a path. And I, I encourage you to focus on that to to remember that there is a positive productive future ahead and, and let that keep you from flagging let, let that keep you diligent and putting the effort into showing love because it pays dividends and it, it does pay in the future that is a fantastic note to end on so i'm not asking you any more questions you've wrapped that up really nicely for us so and dad i did pre-warn you about this so our next section that we have is called oh. the gauntlet so let's go deep breath here we go um <laughs> So this is, again, just a series of rapid-fire questions. Give me your first impression and know that while we will judge you, you will not hear it because this is a pre-recorded podcast. So here we go with the gauntlet. First question. Um, and this, I should warn you now, this particular question came up with a another beloved BPMS teacher, Mr. Paulus, our band teacher. So I hope you have the right answer here. Original Star Wars, so episodes four through six, or do you prefer the prequels, episodes one through three? Are they all going to be this easy? <laughs> Original Star Wars, but you got to understand, I was, I was there on opening night for every one of those every two years, so uh, that's just seared into my into my memory. That was the correct answer, so we will continue. <laughs> Describe your middle school self in three words. Uh, introverted, self-conscious, sports-minded. Mm-hmm. Hey, and what is your favorite song to listen to? Mm, I've become a Bruno Mars fan, and I think I think the best one is that one. Um, something by Bruno Mars. He's he's funky. Uptown uh, Funk, Dad. Uptown Funk. There's your that, song. Oh boy, if I hear that song, I'm I'm ready to work out. So, what is your favorite school appropriate? story to tell about your favorite middle child and again i'm going to emphasize the school appropriateness <laughs> well you know which one i want to tell is it appropriate 
You know, if it's not, I'll cut it out and I'll um, have you tell another one. <laughs> My middle child had a boyfriend in third grade, and they were they were the two most popular people in the class, and, and that comes with power, and it was a power couple, and she came home one night talking about probably needing to break up with this boy, and I don't remember why, but I knew it was happening, and she actually asked me for some advice, and... That's amazing. Have I got it right? Third grade or fourth grade? It was fourth grade. Fourth grade. That's I just realized. That's an amazing thing for a fourth grader. So I looked her dead in the eye and I took her seriously. I said, "Okay, let's. You want to call him? And shall we get in the car? We go over to the house." I said, "Let's figure out how to do this. You know, because what you really don't want to do is do it like on a playground or something. That's the worst case scenario. Is you go out to playground and you break up with a boy." She looked at me, and, and I could tell she was listening, and I was connecting with her, and uh, we didn't do anything right then, and, and you know, the next thing I heard about it was, but she came home from school the next day to tell me she had broken up with this boy at recess on the playground, and it had absolutely divided the classroom into warring factions, and uh, all heck broke loose, and I've never let her forget it. No, you have not? That's definitely school appropriate. I wish I could cut it now just because, oh, I cringe every time, every time. And I think you still bring that up. We still joke about that on occasion, too. So Every chance I get. Yep. For the record, David Barry, happily married. Um, he grew up fine, and he sur- we survived. So, um, yeah, it all worked out well. So, <laughs> But you were not wrong. I should not have done that. <laughs> well, and this leads into my next question. Who's your favorite child? Do all these fond I, memories help you answer this question? I have, I have three favorite children. Oh, I thought I might get you on that one. And uh, a dog I'm really popular, <laughs> I'm really fond of too. So. Oh, we know the real answer is your favorite current child is your dog, so we accept. The one that lives with me. Yeah. So, now this last question is something I, you may not be a school employee, but you are a person who's worked in a school and, and you get it. Um, so, my final question on the record should we have a designated nap time at schools? And this is students and staff alike. Should there be a designated school nap time? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I'm going to say yes. I think everybody gets along better after a nap. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. So I won't try to explain anymore. I'll just say yes. Great. You are in good company. I think all five other interviewees have also said yes. So I think we're on a good path here. Um, Well, Dad, thank you again so much for being here and taking the time to talk about something that is a big topic. And we boiled it down to, you know, what, 15, 20 minutes. So (laughs) I appreciate you being here. We have a few BPMS reminders. So the first one is grade day being November 9th. So between now and then, make sure to have your student walk you through their Google Classroom so you can see if there are any assignments they are missing. We also have conferences that same week. So evening conferences are November 9th and the conferences that will happen during the day are on November 10th. So if your student is being scheduled for a team conference, you'll receive a phone call from us. And if your student is being scheduled for an individual student conference, you will get an email or phone call from the advisory teacher to schedule that. So make sure you are checking your emails, you're returning those phone calls so we can get everybody in. And then the next day we have Veterans Day. We've got a lot coming up here at the start of November. 
Special shout outs to all the teachers who are working really hard to get grades in, get prep for conferences, and collaborating to make sure that every student is as successful as they can possibly be in distance learning. Along that same line, very special shout out to all the parents who are managing their students learning from home on top of jobs, other kids, anything else, and and really just having your student at home learning all day is so challenging. So a special shout out to you for making it work this year. Let's end on a high note. So today's high note comes to us all the way from the top of Mount Olympus. Long distance runner Mario Stianicu has had a long record of taking on really hard challenges. So he has trekked 168 miles across the El Marmoon Desert. He also took first place in a 93-mile cross-country race in Antarctica. I would have frozen less than a mile into that for sure. He also already summited Mount Olympus 50 times. So he recently met and befriended a 22-year-old biology student named Eleftheria Tosu, and I am sure I did not pronounce the last name correctly. She shared with him her dream to experience the summit of Mount Olympus for herself, and his response immediately was to take her with him. Marios secured Eleftheria to his back with a harness in a specially modified backpack, so he was able to carry her with him along with an eight-member support team, and they were able to summit Olympus's tallest peak. Marios not only helped her fulfill her lifelong dream that she could not have accomplished on her own, He also reminds us that we need each other and we can do hard things. And that's a pretty amazing example of that that goes far beyond what most of us do in our everyday lives. Marios is quoted as saying, For me, all international races, the medals and the distinctions so far mean little compared to that goal. Referring to Eleftheria's goal of summoning the highest peak of Mount Olympus. So he embarked on this journey with her with the help of a specially modified backpack that she was harnessed into, along with eight other team members to help them summit. It's amazing to hear stories like that and to be reminded how much we need each other and also that we can do really hard things. And even beyond that, that we really can all be heroes just by offering help to someone with something we're capable of doing. That is quite the inspiring story to end on. So As usual, I'd like to thank my guest today, Mark Bowles, a.k.a. my dad, for taking time to talk with me. I'd like to thank Brent for the music, and I would especially like to thank George Hudson, who admitted Daylight Savings Time. I'm not a huge fan of his in the spring, but I definitely am his fan in the fall. And as we always say, stay kind, Baker Prairie.